Hi everyone, welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. I'm Langdon DeMint. And I'm Julian Taylor. And welcome to our podcast. So, hello and welcome to Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. So, you will see that we've got the usual crew here, myself and my bald compadre, Langdon. Yours truly. Good morning, Jules. Good morning, Langdon. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And we've got a slightly less bald person joining us today in the form of Karen Hewitt. Specifically less bald guy this time around as well. Slightly less bald, bald gal, yeah, um, I suppose. Um, so so Karen Hewitt's joining us. Um, Langdon threw me off my stride there. Um, Karen can be described in various ways. Um, author, CEO. Um, change manager um so karen welcome to the pod uh, would you like to start off by giving us a brief introduction of who you are and some of your background yes this could take a long time but i'll go for the short version um because i've had an, an interesting route into health and safety but i'm essentially a communications specialist who found her way into health and safety by accident really liked it and thought actually my skills can be really useful here so I've been working on the communications leadership engagement summed up by the people side of safety for about 12 years and have tried to take a strategic approach to it and I feel that it's something that's much needed and where my skills can really make a difference so that's really how I would sum myself up. So how 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 did you fall into safety then? What sort of got you into this this world, Karen? Yeah, so I was actually working um, as an interpreter at the United Nations. So I I decided midlife, after my career in communications, that I would retrain as an interpreter because I've always loved languages. I'd kept my languages on the the back burner, and so I did a master's in simultaneous interpreting did some more exams to get into the United Nations and was sort of doing that part time. So when something came up, I would do it. And then um, an old friend who I used to work with reached out to me and said, we've got this job. Would you be interested? And the job was using my ability to, I guess, engage with people and work a room to get people engaged in health and safety. So I, I ended up delivering leadership programs for health and safety just discovered I really loved it. I had a chance to make a real difference. So I sort of got the bug really. And then I started sort of working on my communication skills, my people skills even more so that I could really fly the flag. I started sort of training myself self up in health and safety, which I continue to do as well. And I've never left it really, although I've moved out of large organizations and gone to work for myself, I've never left this niche, which is quite a big thing for me because I need a lot of change. So it must really inspire me. It sucks it sucks you in and then you get you get caught by the bug. That's the thing that we see all the time with health and safety. And I, I, what I love about so many of the people we speak to is the, the sort of amazing eclectic backgrounds they come from. Um so I think but I think you're the first UN translator that we've we've had on on the podcast. So that's another first for us. Um so 
what was it you, you said you, you became passionate about safety I'm sort of interested what was it about safety that that really grabbed hold of you Karen I think it was this feeling that there was so much I guess potential to get people involved because I know that the safety people are really passionate about safety but really if we want to save lives we need to harness everybody out there we need to everyone to have that minimum passion that minimum engagement that minimum awareness really of what they need to do to protect themselves and other others and I could see that if you could just sort of I guess connect with people and get people excited about it then you've got the potential to engage far more people so I think the power is in the collective and even now I think we're still not tapping into it like we could so it, it was the opportunity to really make a difference to people to to get inside their I was going to say their hearts but it sounds a bit cliche but you know for them to sort of go away thinking oh wow you know what we talked about then really made a difference to me and I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that when I go away is what are your thoughts I guess kind of with that <clears throat> you know how it to me it really very much begins with the communication building the rapport even you know I think about going back early when I got into the field actually before I even started my grad program working with a friend of mine who's an industrial hygienist he was always and he's just a he's a talker he's a good guy um, but very much the importance of building those relationships building camaraderie we go out do some sampling on people and just you know how's the family just quick little talks even if you knew you couldn't you couldn't do very much because of time constraints, but kind of what, what are your thoughts? What really started bridging it when, when you think of the communication and and the health and safety and how that can really help people? Was there any maybe light bulb moment or anything that when you started thinking, you know, th this could be, I'm going to call it an untapped market for lack of a better thought phrase, but where, where was this where it could really start leading to something different? Because I think here in the States, we still see it for sure. The, the a lot of people are open to wanting to communicate wanting to do that but then you know sometimes you get the closed off people it's my business this is my job just kind of what are your thoughts what what really when you really started seeing the potential maybe i think it's that ability to tap into what means something for people and i think it's really interesting because i think in life and in business we're sort of hardwired not to tap into our emotions and it's a really fine line I think in business because you've got to be sort of a rational being and you've got to have logic and be task focused but at the same time you've got to have that ability to connect with people on a personal level and I think there was a bit of a light bulb moment when I was so early on in my career I was on a um I guess I was in delivering a workshop and we were in groups discussing things and a colleague um, who sadly no longer with us said, I'm just going to leave you to it, Karen, you're good at this. And all I did really was just ask people what mattered to them or what they wanted to talk about. And then I'd sort of find a way to link that into health and safety. So I think it's finding a way to link into, it's more about not so much sort of unnecessary emotion but finding a way to find meaning it's more about meaning than emotion find meaning in what we do because I think human beings are 
searching for meaning. And I know this sounds a bit philosophical, but now more than ever, because there's so much going on, there's so many layers of change and uncertainty. I think we're we're seeking to to find a bit of meaning, to make a bit of sense of things. I think, I mean, what you say really resonates. This, I think, this is why we get on really well. I mean, we've we've met a few times on on sort of virtual meetings, and I think we're really aligned on this point, which is. And if you want to really simplify it, you could just say it's the what's in it for me, isn't it? For for the individual, um, I think all too often businesses get too focused on. These are our, our business priorities, and this is why you've got to do safety. Um, and the cynic in me, because I'm from Yorkshire, so I'm naturally cynical, um, says, actually, I'm not interested in in business priorities. I want to come to work and go home again. Um, I'm not really that that interested in the business priorities. But actually, what you're saying is is really important is the bit which is, well, actually, what's important to you when you're not at work and what could be affected by if something did happen in the workplace to the things that are important to you outside of the workplace. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, and I think there's some basic things that are common to most human beings. So you can sort of generalise a bit when you start to think about it. And it's sometimes the most basic stuff like calling people by their name, um, you know, asking them about what they do outside work making them feel important um but obviously everybody's different and that um making people feel important i think if i go back i'm still reflecting on langdon talking about my light bulb moment and also i remember when i was working in at the united nations um so it was the kind of um i guess job role that's quite stressful and it was quite um i would say so i would do a job but the environment was a bit looking for where I'd go wrong, you know. So you do a piece of interpreting, then you'd be looking for what you you got wrong, and and I'd be sort of in my perfectionist self, I'd be looking for what I got wrong. But I think when I started in health and safety, I found a lot more people telling me what I'd done right, and I thought this feels really good because it feels like I'm making a contribution. So people focusing on my strengths. And so that's what I try to do as well, is try and look for, you know, not complimenting people unnecessarily, because that is um, really, can't think of the right word on a Monday, but it's it's kind of superfluous, really. But, you know, being genuine, when you spot people have strengths, we've all got different strengths in in different areas. So this is what you're really good at. And this is what you could bring to health and safety, because I knew that I was working on my strengths. You know, at the time when I started out, I didn't have the technical knowledge, but I was using what I did have to bring to the table. And I think everybody can do that. And I think that's for me, that's why I like that, because it's so depending right on the organization and even the locality of it, there's still a lot of a lot of that you know my business that to to joel's point i don't care about the i mean i care about the company because i have to supply you know supply for my family certain needs and then that kind of reaches up but and i think you still have that mindset and it a lot of them uh, i think a lot of employees a lot of workplaces are are getting better and kind of getting away from that saying that you know, whatever you want to call it, the holistic view, the the deeper view. But that's why I was asking that light bulb moment, because for me, it seems like, you know, watching him and thinking about that, 
I never liked safety cop. I never liked the term <laughs> health and safety officer even. And I, I, don't, I know that's not always meant in a negative connotation, but I don't know that, I mean, I support the police, so it's, not, it's nothing like that, but it just seems like a very, I don't know, more official quote unquote or, or whatever. Whereas, you know, when you have the health and safety advisor, the professional, whatever you want to call it, that role seems it's then it can be much more of health and safety. There's little increments of change management continually being done. And you have to be sales to a certain extent in relationship and establish really good camaraderie so that you can continue on. And that's why I like, I remember the first part when we met a while back and then thinking about this also, it definitely, I think, shows a different side to health and safety and the importance of that, building that relationship and, and, and how you can communicate and try to move it. Because honestly, if you... I know I've seen seen it, Jules, seen it, and I, I would most definitely guarantee you've seen it. Organizations, when we try to just create programs and implement them and go, it's tough to make that successful when it's just a, here's your, whatever, here's your document, without actually trying to get that deeper understanding of, you know, what are you wanting to do? And this is why we're doing it. And, you know, whatever type of uh, rapport you're wanting to do. So I think it's a, I think it's an interesting, that's what I do really like is that area that you have come from and how you've really made it branch out so much. What, what are some things that you see as a driving force for that more so in an organization that maybe is a little more lack of receptive, maybe is the, the nice way to put that. I think we tend to be very much um focused on ourselves um you know i'm being very general about people unless you consciously make an effort to think about the other person's point of view and from a communications background um the first thing you get drummed into you is what's your target audience who's the audience for this so before you do anything before you even move you've thought through who are my target audience so that's why i think people from a marketing comms background actually um make good health and safety people so it's that focus on the other person before you focus on yourself so before you start anything you're thinking how's the other person going to feel about this so if you think about all the stuff we do in health and safety or change management we put things out without necessarily thinking how is this going to be received who's receiving it how are they going to receive it how would i feel if i was on the receiving end of this and what can I do to make this the best thing that someone else has ever received? And we're all guilty of it because I'm not saying I'm perfect in this. I'm sure I've sent emails and written things that I've not properly thought through my target audience. But that's what the communications background has given me, that reflex to think before any conversation, how is the other person going to receive this? Because they might say, oh, there's that's lovely, Karen. But... <laughs> Is that the truth? <laughs> I love that, Karen. I think, uh, I, I mean, as a trainer, I've I've done lots of training around communication and, and sort of the way we communicate. And it's it's something that I think is, is I, I find it fascinating. And, and I also think we, we underestimate it so often across business. And if, if I, I say to people, if you stop and think about it, What's the thing you do all day, every day, regardless of the job that you're in? 
what are we doing now through a podcast? We're communicating with people. Um, and I think that point you made is so important, which is is that consideration beforehand in terms of, right, how am I going to send this message and how am I going to put it across in a way that it's received in a positive way? And I think that's one thing that a lot of safety professionals can learn from. Um, even that simplistic thing of, do I actually go and verbally deliver this message where I get the added benefit of my voice tone and, and my body language as opposed to sending it out as an email where you lose all of that sort of that that sort of strength of communication. Um, and it's little things like that that you start to think about. If, if you're doing that on a daily basis in terms of the things I want to get out there, that will make a positive difference to, to the culture of the organisation. Yeah, I think it's been a bit more strategic about everything you do that is communications, whether it's thinking through who are the people that can help me influence what I want to do. And then on a personal level, just thinking about this person right now, they're going to receive this. Who are they? What 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 would they maybe have as their vision? I mean, if you get a chance to ask them all of this, that's great. Otherwise, I just sort of think it through in my head. What's going through their head right now? What day of the week it is? What will they be doing? How are they going to feel? You know, is my communication right now going to help them or hinder them? And if if in all doubt, I try and be as simple as possible because I think we also tend to think we've got to impress, particularly when we're communicating with senior leaders and we've got to have, you know, the full Monty of communications with all the details stack layers and layers of it but they are just people as well that are busy people and sometimes they just want something really simple that they can make sense of that they can make meaning out of it so if in doubt with no other information i just go for simple i say if in doubt put it in your drafts and wait yeah. tomorrow and then take another look at it that's another version of that one isn't it so yeah jules just throws it out <laughs> yeah that's another one I also like going for metaphors as well because, you know, not everybody is a safety expert. So if you can sort of hang what you want to say on a nice little anecdote, story, metaphor that maybe comes from more of a universal experience, something people can relate to, you can then take them somewhere else and then they can say, hang on, I know what she's trying to say for safety now. This makes sense to me. I mean, I, I, I love stories. I mean, I train people all the time and I talk about storytelling all the time because it's, it's that it's a really nice way of validating what you're saying and and sort of illustrating it at the same time. So I think it's a it's a really powerful tool. Um, and and it's funny, isn't it, when you talk about storytelling, most people just do that inherently without even thinking about it when they're communicating. They they tell stories about the things they've done, the things they've seen. But again, it's a really good thing to bake into into the communications that you're doing. Yeah, we think it takes a bit longer. At I think the fear is one thinking it's going to take longer. There's also the fear of not being physically attached to our PowerPoint slides. And there's the fear of what people are going to think because we've bucked the status quo because we kind of do it naturally, but it's almost like we do it naturally when we're given license to do it. But when we're in a business setting, there's this feeling that we've got to go boom, 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 you know, objectives, aim, actions, and, I think for me that goes on in the background, but I've already thought through, you know, that agenda. And then I think, how can I piece it together with a story? Absolutely. Yeah. What are your thoughts? And I think 
so some of it, it it seems i like the when you think about that communication and the stories and building that with even frontline workers what are your thoughts to the leadership as well is that pretty pretty similar for getting them involved in health and safety would you say yeah so it's interesting you need a nice combination of the two again um sort of walking a bit of a line between knowing that they're going to be impatient they haven't got a lot of time but you can still sort of hit them square between the eyes with some really interesting analogy that changes their mindset and makes them see things differently so you know often when I'm working with senior leaders I don't have that much time I guess maximum I would have is a couple of hours very often shorter than that so I'm again I'm thinking simplicity what are my three key points I want to get across and how am I going to get them across there's a lot of preparation in advance thinking what's going to really resonate what kind of language what kind of story what kind of metaphor so I tend to open up the mindset a bit and the challenge the thinking with something that I would say would be taking a more, bit more of a risk with communications which is a story or a metaphor and then I sort of come in straight away with the the message this is why I'm telling you this and there's the message what do you think and then you know open it up for a bit of feedback um, how much does that message change from organization to organization then Karen well that's an interesting question love it um yeah so there's a degree of commonality and similar issues that organizations are having around safety and it depends on the level of maturity but then every organization has different risks so i'd say the relationship of senior leaders to safety is fairly similar among organizations but the risks are different and the risk perception is different so, you know, there will be a lot of the same message, but I very much need to be aware of, I guess, also the culture. You know, so you can link into the way things are done. So you're not really talking about revolution. You're talking about evolution. How do you already do things? What are your strengths? What kind of risks are you looking to tackle? How aware are you of them? But I would usually look to find all that stuff out in advance so that when I get in front of people, I, I can be more targeted. So uh, receptiveness, I think, what type are, is it coming around from the leadership perspective, a plethora of industry type and organizations that you work with? Are you seeing, for the most part, positive receptivity to, to this and to better engagement and communication? Or are you seeing a little bit of Oh, really good. And then all of a sudden just shaking your hand or shaking your heads. What what are you what are you seeing right now? Yeah, so I think there is more receptivity um to it to health and safety. I think it's seen more as a minimum standard now that people have to get involved on. I'm still seeing a lack of awareness. So obviously the hardest thing is to get people in a room. I think it's not a lack of commitment from leaders. I think it's sometimes a lack of awareness on specifically what they need to do to make a difference and how they make, can make a difference. Because 
there's not always an awareness that they have as big a role as the safety people. You know, there's maybe a feeling, well, we, we've got the safety people for that. But actually, safety is such a critical topic, as is health and well-being, that the leaders need to model it and they need to push it and drive it and need to be saying and doing things that are aligned, I would say, that are aligned with, with what they want. Otherwise, inadvertently, they can undo the messaging. Bang, that's the point, Karen. Yeah, that's that's the biggie for me, which is is that actually the, the, the leaders, if they say or do the wrong things, and that can be completely unconscious, it's not a deliberate thing, actually they they their credence over the safety person is 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 higher so actually that's the way people go that's 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 what happens is that people automatically follow the leadership line and safety sort of is damaged as a result of it so i think that's such an important point is that the leadership behaviors are a critical component to all of this because regardless of what the safety people say if leadership say production at all costs this week that's what people will go and do um and and their safety will will get sort of not ignored but it will get waylaid as, as a result of that um so i think it's a really important point um i got asked a really difficult question the other day so i'm going to try it on you karen and see if you can answer it any better than i did okay which was was around this whole sort of getting leadership engaged how do we deal with those really intransigent leaders who 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 sort of don't want to don't want to sort of get engaged with safety don't want to be the sort of the, the well the right word is leaders around safety or even maybe i want to add right quick or even don't because i think what, what i say a lot is they don't realize and it's what karen just alluded to a moment ago we haven't had any incidents. We're doing good. We have the right programs. When re realistically, you know, it's just a split, you know, it, it's, they still have high hazard. They still have issues, but it's just nothing happened. So I'll, I want to add to that. Maybe they don't even realize they need to. Yeah. So, so many um, thoughts flying around in my head just now. I'm sort of back on whatever uh, um, each of you have just said there, but I think it's about, it starts with understanding. Um, you know, Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand and then be understood. So senior leaders are human beings with different priorities. And I try and think, well, how would it feel if I was in their position? Because often it's not a lack of goodwill or intention. And I think to understand, you have to ask really good questions as you two are doing today. Um, so I think that that takes us back really, um, I guess, to two things. One, the role of the health and safety person as a challenger and a coach who can ask really good questions and a question like to a senior leader, when you did that or when you do that or when you sit, you say that, how do you think the workforce would see that? If you were one of them, how would you perceive what you did or what you said? So that is a constructive challenge which forces a senior leader to focus, put their attention on others. So taking, going right back to what we were saying at the beginning about communication, focusing on what others might be thinking when they receive your message. And if you can constructively, politely 
with a smile on your face, challenge your senior leader to think about how what they're doing or saying might be perceived, they instantly get it and think, oh, wow, yes, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it's as simple as just changing their priorities, not changing what they do, but changing the order in which they focus on things, the order in which they talk about things, changing their sentences around, particularly the word but, which is always a bit of a contentious word. So some of the real basic, simple stuff that will completely change the way people see them and their focus on safety. So it's more about challenging them to think differently. And that's why health and safety people, much as they've got the technical expertise that we really value, need to be equally expert at challenging constructively with fantastic questions. And that influencing piece. Just give us an example then of a, of a sentence with a but in it, Karen, that you, you hear and, and how you would change that around. So you could have somebody, um, okay, here's an interesting one. You turn up at a site for a health and safety induction and somebody sort of gives you a lot of information and then says, um, but that's all well and good. Let's get on with the proper stuff now. Let's get on with the work. And in your head, you're thinking, hang on, was that not all the proper stuff? Is that not really important there, everything you just gave me? And if you changed, if you're aware of that, you use um, the but more strategically by by saying, um, we really need to get on with the work today. We've got a tight schedule, but let me start with the most important stuff. Um, it always makes me smile when I talk about strategically, the strategic use of but. <laughs> but I think that's fabulous listening to that because, I, I was, well, I was going to say the thing with that is for a lot of people that would just go over the heads. They wouldn't they wouldn't see the negative in the placing of the word but. So I think it's really useful. And, and that's where people like you are great, Karen, because you just come in and make people think slightly differently about a different element of safety, but, but one that has a really, really big impact in terms of the results. Um, as a business, we talk about, we're trying to promote this idea of talking about safe operations. So stop talking about safety culture and operations as these two disparate, separate things, but actually talk about safe operations and make that the terminology that you use. So when you're talking about the way that your business runs the things that it does, Safety is just a natural part of that conversation. It's not this separate thing. So I think that's that's really interesting what you were just saying there. Yeah. Yeah, it's really – I don't want people to get too hung up on words because I think you've got to have a license to be yourself, um, a bit like we're doing here today as well. But the – there we are, strategic but. But <laughs> I'm going to have to watch my butts now. Um, but it, it really is important to – I guess particularly when you're talking about safety, to think how is what I'm saying or what I'm doing or the order in which I'm doing things or what I'm, you know, what I'm doing, even in, when I'm sort of driving into work because we're never really invisible and senior leaders are more visible than anyone. How is it going to be perceived and how is that going to impact what we actually want people to do? And as you say, that could be going against all the stuff the health and safety people are trying to do so it's about communicating 
with the leaders in a way that you can line them up with you. And then that makes your life a lot easier. I was going to say, even even the way that we do safety. So, I mean, one of the interesting things that, that we see all the time, we're, we're obviously, we're, we're linked to a technology company. And, um, but one of the really interesting things we still see is so much of safety is done on paper. So go and report, go and report something you've seen, go and write it on a piece of paper. But again, what perception do people have of safety if it's still done on bits of paper when everything else in your organization has been systemized it's done on it's done on apps it's simple it's easy there's been investment into it and that's the big thing it's that investment isn't it so the lack of investment in safety kind of starts to send the message as well in terms of how important it is so the the wording the way we do things is really important if, if safety is going to be effective Go on, Lenton. You look like you were dying to say something. I could just talk forever. You need to sort of interject and shut me up. Well, no, it's, it's great. We want to keep you talking, Karen, because then we'll have a nice long podcast. We might even get two episodes out of this. So, Well, I guess I was just thinking you've opened up an interesting debate now around engagement in the midst of technology because technology is an enabler. But on the other hand, it could get in the way of a good conversation. And I think since COVID, I've seen endless debates on whether we should be doing things face to face or virtually. So on the one hand, doing things virtually has given us the opportunity to get together when we couldn't otherwise do it. But, you know, thinking about other people and what do they really need? We've constantly got to be asking ourselves in order to make maximum impact on people and influence them so they're aligned with us, how not only what conversation do we need to be having, but how do we need to be having it? So I guess it's not just a conversation about what we're saying and the words we're using. It's how what channels are we using? So it's that walking that fine line between enabling communication, enabling engagement and I guess, disabling it through getting in the way of a good face-to-face conversation. And I see it very challenging too. And it's, and I'm, uh, you know, what, 12, I guess 12 years since my master's, I guess it is now, I think, in health and safety. And what I can even see thinking back to when I first started to, to now, well, <laughs> when I first started pre-COVID, pre-C word, in the middle of the C word, and post, there's a lot of, and you, to me, you hit the nail on the head, there's a lot of good that's come from, because you can, people are a lot more receptive to the virtual, hey, let's do a meeting, turning the camera on and doing it. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of good that that can enable, a lot of good that can come from that. But I, I wonder on the flip side, especially as health and safety, whether, whether you going out consulting with organizations, myself, Jules, what, what does that do a lot of times to that when you're trying to bring an external to help the internal? Because I think, you know, the internal side of health and safety has enough from that perspective of technology, not when you have younger generation who's all about whatever they can with their cell phone and maybe the older a lot of times where respect understand that but that can also take away from 
maybe understanding a process or a program or learning or training and engagement, they'd rather sit there for 30 minutes and have a conversation versus that. What, what are your thoughts? What do you see from the post apocalyptic sea world where sea word we're in now to prior, are you seeing a, a better change? Do you think when it comes to technology or maybe a little, a little bit of both? It's okay. You can speak freely. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's starting to settle. And I think, again, just going back to, I guess, how can you get maximum impact with the best combination of technology? And sometimes I think it means if you don't know someone very well and you can meet face to face, you know, having that conversation, it's also about psychological safety because I think when you've got people in big groups on you know, big meetings online, you don't have that psychological safety. I noticed I, I do do a lot of virtual work and I get people into breakouts and the best conversations come out of the breakouts um, because people are always a little bit guarded about what they want to say. So it's, I think if you're going to do things virtually, it's being aware of still what people need as people and do you need to have one-to-ones in advance? Do you need to meet in person? before you start the virtual stuff and I think because I know I've got some stuff upcoming where you know you know regularly I have people in different languages different um organizations that I've never met before and I have a few hours to engage with them virtually so I think I have to think about it even more who are these people what do they need how can I make them feel comfortable how can I get the best conversations and I noticed when I came back from I think what I noticed when I came back from COVID and I first got out face to face, I mean, for one, I absolutely love my flip chart, which there is no substitute in a virtual environment. I'm literally, I've got a photo of me hugging my flip chart. And I think what I noticed is that as human beings, we have this energy around us that we can create. It sounds a bit sort of um, quantum physics, but you can actually feel it. You know, if we were in the room all together right now, we would feel each other's energies and we would be you know feeling I mean, there's still loads of energy right now but it would be like off a scale you know if we were all in the same room together so if you can get in a room together you can do things as well you can get props and you can throw balls and you know I love just um doing simple stuff like throwing balls around safely uh, <laughs> in a room so how can you reenact that virtually? It's not easy, but I, I do a combination of them and, and recognize that there are advantages and disadvantages to both. But I say things, people are still finding their way and they're settling. I miss the workshop settings. I do miss. I used to do JHA workshops and the breakouts are things that you miss. I've tried that virtually and I mean, it, it was okay, but it, it it's different. It's not the same. It's it's definitely as a trainer, Karen. I love you. I love what you're saying because I think I, I I'd love a flip chart. I I do have to say I've modernised slightly and I, I have adapted to a whiteboard as well. Even so, um, but but just that ability. It's amazing the energy you can create. Like you say, from not not just you, but even getting the delegates to use something like a flip chart just to gather together and start writing stuff down and and. And I still think there's there is nothing to beat that face to face interaction. Um, 
when Langdon was talking earlier about what what do we call safety people because officer sounds a bit too like it's the safety police I, I think the safety coach is 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 a great a great title because that's our job isn't it is to coach people to to doing things well or doing things differently and I suppose that's part of the, what we're trying to do with leadership is almost coach them to be coaches isn't it so but again that just that human connection you can do it on here i mean we've 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 got a connection we've had a couple of meetings on here and gotten really well but it's different again when you actually meet up in person isn't it yeah and i think that um people will say more about how they feel they'll maybe be more more themselves person because it feels a bit much like you're just sitting around informally having a chat whereas I think there's this sort of sense virtually that you're on screen Although sometimes it's easy to forget. You're on show, yes. You're on show, yeah, yeah. But I think the, the, the other thing, though, about sort of face-to-face is I, I love that almost the people talk about visible felt leadership, don't they? And it's it's not always even the, the formal situations where we're going to get people in a classroom to talk about things, but, but just walking the floor... Um, and then talking to people in the workplace in situ in terms of how they're doing things, why they do it a certain way. Um, like you say, that that doesn't feel quite so much like an interrogation or a or a training. It's more just that coaching conversation to sort of talk about, right, why why do you do it that way? That's that's what I see as the one of the real positives of getting people out into into the real world. Yeah, and I know we didn't do this for a while, but it's that ability to look someone in the eye, shake their hand and say, how are you? Um, and it and it's an interesting across different cultures as well, because I've been out to a lot of different sites across the world and sort of followed the lead, you know, how do you greet people? But, you know, the way you greet people is ingrained in people's cultures. And when that's all taken away, it's like, the carpet's taken from underneath you. I'm thinking about, um, you know, and sometimes you get a bit confused. Like, for example, if you go to France and you might do, you know, the two kisses on each cheek or however many kisses it is or something. I think in the UK we're known for sort of shaking a hand. And then with the COVID rules, suddenly we were like, oh, what do we do? Do we do a knuckles or whatever you call it? Yeah. Uh, feet I've seen feet as well knuckles yeah yeah and it, I've seen it completely sort of shake people because it's something that you know you can have an instant connection I remember going out to Thailand years ago and um, so here's an interesting um, little story and speaking not a word of Thai going out to deliver a coaching course so I sat on uh, on the plane on the way out next to a guy who was married to a Thai woman. And I said, what do I do to connect these people? These people, I don't speak a word of their language. I'm just praying they're going to understand me when I get there. Um, and he taught me how to say, um, hello, how are you? With the gestures. So I was sort of memorizing that all the way out, got there, opened the session with that. And it was like this moment of magic where they all sort of smiling at me. And I knew from that moment it was all going to be okay. And as it turned out that probably they only understood 50% of what I told them in the whole three days. And what I had to do was do a lot of demos. So I was with two other people that were delivering with me. And we had to kind of slightly rethink our strategy 
but our success was de determined at that precise moment where I just did those two things. It was a combined set of words with hand gestures where I sort of met them, um, I guess, at a cultural and a comfort level. So, you, you know, you can do that. And you attempted. Yeah, yeah. You tried. You know, you made the effort. I think that's crucial. Yeah, and I think because I, um, obviously, Thai is one of my languages. I speak a few European languages. And um, when I go out to deliver stuff on site, I turn up thinking I'm going to inspire them about safety. And often they're more inspired by my effort and my ability to speak their language, which kind of says something about human connection, really, because when you make yourself vulnerable like that and you connect with them in their language, you're saying kind of, I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm focused on you. And, and when that is as genuine as that, then people will give back to you and they'll almost say, well, you know, you've done this. I'm going to listen to you now. So I'm not saying you have to learn a million languages because that is hard work. But, you know, even just the greeting worked for me. So I will try and I'll try and speak American next time I see you, Langdon. <laughs> no, I wish you would. I tr I attempt I attempt British, but I usually just get a laugh. So there's that. <laughs> I am I am mocking, but as somebody who spends a lot of time in America, it, it it is amazing how much difference there is. We think it's all English, and it's not. It's uh, there's definitely uh, American and English. And it depends on where you are. Chicago is totally different than Tennessee. So there's that. I was just going to say you've bridged that gap, the two of you. Now, seamless. We, we, we try our best. We try our best. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about leader-like, Karen. I'm really interested just to hear a bit more about you, you sort of where that came from and, and, and what you mean by that. Yeah, so it just literally comes from like a leader because since I started out in safety, I realized that's what we were trying to get out of people, for people to be more like a leader, which is kind of about, you know, knowing what's the right thing to do, um, how to step up, speak out. So leader-like is just like a leader. So that's for anybody at any level in the business or organization? Yeah. Yeah, so... It, you know, you have to be clear and distinguished because we're often talking about senior leadership. We're talking about the untapped potential of everyone to be a leader and possibly the most unlikely people that you really need when it matters. And how can you, you know, tap into what's within them? You can you can anonymize this and, and I like it as well. So, so give us an example of the most unlikely leader you've you've sort of identified as you've been working with people the most unlikely leader i can feel this is a uh, a new podcast or something coming um the, the unlikely leader probably is the you walk into a room to sort of impart a message about safety and the person that seems least engaged uh or we I, either least engaged or most vocally against your message very often turns out to be your biggest fan and your biggest supporter, but they want to be heard, that they're either holding a belief which is opposed to 
what you're doing, for example, the belief that you shouldn't be standing around talking about safety, you should be getting on with the work. So it's a, a belief they hold that you just need to understand and challenge. Or it's just they want to be heard. They've got so much other stuff going on because I've often found I'll open a, a session with an open question. How are you? And then it will be like, how long have you got? So you're there to talk about safety. And then you're the first person in years that's given them a voice and asked them an open question. And you suddenly get all this stuff. And you sort of manage that and you listen to them. They feel heard and then they'll listen about safety. So often people's challenges is not about what you've got to say. It's about the stuff they need to get out of the way first. So there are many unlikely leaders, but I don't feel put off by people not being engaged for me that's the biggest opportunity opportunity is not with the people that are woohoo yes uh, you know i'll get involved in that the opportunity is with the people that can probably make the biggest difference but just don't know they can i i love that because and i say this to the people in our organization it's amazing how often exactly that you walk into a room and the, the most negative person i say go and talk to them because actually that person invariably will become your biggest advocate if you can if you can win them around and um and I think another really important point it kind of brings us full circle in terms of communication is 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 really that not not sort of often you negative sort of drives their negative behaviors from the person that they're talking to, but it's more actually getting people to stop and think well what's driving the negative behaviors in the first place what's going on in that person's life that's actually causing them to behave that way and like you say often if they've not been heard they've not been listened to they've seen that safety has not been a priority previously they kind of come in with the kind of negative mindset because of of sort of previous conditioning and it's recognizing that and talking to them about that yeah yeah, and if we generalise on this, you think about health and safety as a profession, just those words, health and safety, will probably get an eye roll from, I'm not sure what percentage of the population, uh, that would be an interesting statistic. You could do a little focus group and see, um, of a group of a 1,000 people, how many would eye roll at, just at the words health and safety. So we're up against it already. So I just prepare myself for it it's like the elephant in the room that you have to sort of say there it is there's the elephant let's talk about this before you can even go past the elephant so health and safety in itself is the elephant in the room and I love it it is yeah I was I was laughing the other day because I got asked for my first selfie Karen the other day oh brilliant I love that as, as a as a bald guy who podcasts and um and and I was I was very proudly telling my daughter, um, look, your dad's an influencer now. I've got asked for my first selfie. And she absolutely did the eye roll. But yeah, but it's only health and safety, Dad, isn't it? So um so I think you're quite right in terms of that that perception. And we talk about it all the time, is how do we change that perception from it being this dull, boring thing that's done by people in anoraks to actually actually there's so much why do people like you get so engaged with safety if it's so dull and boring yeah and also i'm just thinking i'm still thinking about what you were talking about differences between uk and the us but i think we can all be different 
But I tend to say, let's focus on what unites us rather than what divides us. And that's what you two have done because you've produced a podcast called Two Bull Guys Talk About Safety. So you may have so many differences, but you found what brings you together, what unites you. Oh, we have lots of differences. When we get together, we we realise all the differences, Karen. But it's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. He likes hot he likes hot wings. I don't. So. Yeah, I sent you a bit off track now. Sorry. Those weren't hot. <laughs> no, no, it's good. We we love we love off track. Um we, we that's part of that's part of what we want to do with this is not be too too structured and too formal. So it's good. Um I'm conscious of the time, Karen. Um so I just just wanted to sort of wrap up with you talk about build buzz bake so just i think let's let's just kind of finish with sort of talking a bit about what that is um and maybe a bit of a promotion of your book as well at the same time because it's it's a good opportunity for more people to hear about it and be able to go and read it yeah, so build, buzz, bake, nothing to do with cooking, but it's certainly got people talking, um, you know, whatever people think of it, um, it's it's quite memorable. And it really is asking health and safety people to do exactly with their engagement what they already do for health and safety. So for health and safety, we're looking to design safety in. We don't want it as an add-on. We're looking to take a long-term view. We're trying to get all the organisation involved. And so build is about, you know, designing it into existing processes, uh, pre-engagement, getting all the right stakeholders involved. What's your influence map? So all that stuff you need to think about before you start to communicate so that it's not an initiative. It becomes something that's part of the organization. And then the buzz part is a bit more self-explanatory about how you communicate, but it's more communicating an experience for people, tapping into what's meaningful for them rather than just transmitting a message and saying, here you go. And then the bake, if you've done build and buzz really well, it will already start to be baked into the DNA of the organisation. So that's really what bake means. And then there's other little touches you can do to start to get other people in the organization talking about it so it takes on a life of its own so it's really just a three-step formula with steps beneath it based on successes i've had with other previous organizations to get to safety becoming a movement really you know i could describe it it's not just something that the safety people do it's a whole cross-company movement that even the financial director, the HR director, procurement, that they're all involved in talking about it. And my book, People Power, tells you how to do it. Great. So there you go, everybody. Go and read the book. And if you, if you want to hear more, your organisation, Karen, is called what? Leader-like. Leader-like. And, and it comes up straight away in Google, I know, because I've done it. So... So if you put leader like into Google, if you want to talk more with Karen, um, that that's probably the easiest way to sort of make contact, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Always happy to speak to people passionate about this people stuff for health and safety. That's why I get out of bed in the morning. And speak to you guys. And it, and it's the centre of health and safety, isn't it? It's people is just 
it's not about process it's not about paperwork it's not about documents it's actually about people um because if the people all the peace see what you did there <laughs> all the peace yeah yeah so yeah without even trying without even thinking about it so there you go karen it's been a pleasure talking to you i'm sure we could have carried on for a lot longer and and what we might do is <clears throat> invite you back and we'll do we'll do a round two um and just carry the conversation on because it's it's been really interesting and i think you've got so many good things to say and and so many of them what i love about them it's simple tips that people can apply to the 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 interactions and the conversations that they're having with people so so thank you very much um i'll let you say goodbye and then i'll let langdon sign us off in his in his normal fashion yeah thanks so much for allowing me to be one of the ball guys just for the space of um a morning or an afternoon it's been an absolute pleasure i really feel like i should have sort of done something different with my hair but I'm glad you've embraced me just as I am. Thank you. It's been an honour. We maybe need to get some swag and get some bald caps for, for guests, don't we, so that they feel at home. Yeah. That's what we've been pushing for, bald caps. <laughs> but, but no, we did. We definitely appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, and we look forward to speaking again soon. But to everyone else out there, as you go about your days, your busy lives, remember to stay healthy, stay safe, and watch each other's back out there. See you, everyone. Hey everyone, really appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Two Bald Guys Talking Safety. Please follow and subscribe to wherever you stream your favorite podcast or visit us at evotix.com. And if you want to see how follically challenged we really are, come and check us out on YouTube. If you've got value from the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and in the review section of this podcast, if you could leave us a review or a rating, that would be great. And as always, everyone, while you're going about your days and about your normal lives, stay safe out there and watch each other's back.